This is the More Than Right Podcast, an independent view of politics and American culture. I'm your host, Steve Lopez. You've probably heard a lot about the disturbance, riot, insurrection, or worst attack on the U.S. Capitol since the Civil War that occurred on January 6, 2021. That day, Republican and Democratic lawmakers assembled in the House chamber to certify the questionable election of Joe Biden as the nation's 46th president. That's when a throng of Trump supporters either stormed, were invited, or got shoved in the doors leading into the hallowed halls of Congress. Some protesters were cloaked in animal skins and donned horned helmets on their heads. One man was photographed sitting in Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office chair, his feet planted on her desk. Members of Congress had either scurried off to hide in broom closets or simply dove under their desks. Many, like New York Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, claimed to have feared for their lives. Order was soon restored, and Biden was declared U.S. President with the approval of the neatly coiffed Republican Vice President, Mike Pence. The media initially claimed five members of the Capitol Hill police died that day from injuries received at the hands of rioters. That proved false. Most had committed suicide in the days following the riot for reasons known only to God. But one officer who died that day was honored with having his flag-draped casket lay in state under the Capitol Dome. An autopsy later revealed the officer had suffered a lethal stroke and did not die at the hands of MAGA supporters. But someone did die that day on Capitol Hill, and not by suicide or from natural causes. In fact, that person's name did not come up once during the January 6th show trial broadcast on all major networks Thursday night. Her name is Ashley Babbitt. An avid Trump supporter, the 35-year-old U.S. Air Force veteran came to the nation's capital to protest what she believed was a stolen presidential election. She was unarmed when Capitol Hill Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd drew his weapon and shot Babbitt in the throat, killing her. A cursory internal investigation of the shooting by Capitol Hill Police found Lieutenant Byrd justified in his killing of an unarmed woman. One participating in a protest that was boisterous but certainly more peaceful than any Antifa or Black Lives Matter riot that left death and smoldering ruins in their wake. According to the Insurance Information Institute, the BLM Antifa riots the summer of 2020 cost a whopping $2 billion. J. Brett Blanton, architect of the Capitol, testified to Congress that damage from January 6 protests cost $30 million. But there are mysteries surrounding January 6th, chiefly the FBI's role in that day's events. It's no secret how the FBI helped perpetuate the Hillary Clinton campaign's false allegation that Trump was a spy for Russia. The agency launched a counterintelligence investigation of Trump's 2016 campaign based solely on the dubious contents of a dossier written by British spy Christopher Steele. In the end, it all came to nothing. But on January 5th, the day before the Capitol breach, 
A man later identified as Ray Epps is recorded urging protesters to storm Capitol Hill, with skeptical onlookers chanting, Fed, Fed, Fed. Clearly, many believed Epps to be an agent provocateur working for the federal government. When the U.S. Senate later held hearings on the Capitol riot, GOP Senator Ted Cruz asked Jill Sanborn of the FBI's National Security Branch if FBI confidential informants performed acts of violence on January 6th. Her non-answer was revealing. Quote, Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics on sources and methods. I can't answer that. Unquote. That's remarkable considering Congress is supposed to provide oversight of federal departments to prevent such agencies from engaging in illegal behavior. The FBI, clearly, is above the law. In the last days of his administration, President Trump ordered Russia collusion materials in the possession of the U.S. intelligence community and the FBI declassified. The agencies never followed that direct presidential order. As Aaron Maid at Real Clear Investigations wrote two days after the Capitol riot, quote, Both the CIA and FBI have been slow to produce much material that Trump reportedly wants declassified. They argue that disclosure would reveal sources and methods vital to national security. Unquote. By now, you should have noticed a pattern. The secret sources and methods of concern to deep state agencies like the CIA and FBI are those directed at domestic political targets, whether these targets be populist outsider Donald Trump or his supporters, abandoned by both political parties. As seen Thursday evening, the January 6th Select Committee has two Republicans on its panel, and they happen to be the only House Republicans to vote for the Select Committee's creation. GOP Representatives Liz Cheney of Wyoming and Adam Kinziger of Illinois. Conservative media would have us believe Cheney and Kinziger are outliers within the GOP, but I believe they are the GOP's beating heart and soul. That's because they and their Democratic colleagues detest Trump and his populist Make America Great Again movement. The one comprised of forgotten Americans who saw bipartisan Washington ship their jobs overseas to totalitarian China. Those Americans who see their financial security threatened by Washington's bipartisan national debt of $30 trillion. Those Americans suffering under bipartisan Washington's high inflation, rising fuel prices, and falling incomes. Those Americans, bipartisan Washington brands white supremacists and insurrectionists. Those Americans being surveilled and manipulated by the secret sources and methods of bipartisan Washington's deep state. Never forget that Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, FBI Director James Comey, and Special Counsel Robert Mueller all central players in the Russia collusion caper, are Republicans. If the events of January 6 serve as a lesson, it is this. See the gun-wielding Capitol Hill Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd as representing the bipartisan deep state's sources and methods. Now, put yourself in Ashley Babbitt's shoes.
When Nicholas Rosk, 26, arrived by taxi outside the home of Associate U.S. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, U.S. Federal Marshals noticed the young man dressed in black, wearing a backpack, and holding a suitcase. Like the chanting crowd outside Justice Kavanaugh's home, Rosk was clearly there to protest the pending Supreme Court ruling likely to overturn the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision legalizing abortion. Seeing that officers were staring at him, Rosk turned away and walked down the street. That's when he did something very odd. He got out his cell phone and called the Montgomery County Emergency Communications Center. In the criminal complaint later filed against Rosk, he told authorities, quote, he was having suicidal thoughts and had a firearm in his possession. Rosk also told the call taker he came from California to kill a specific United States Supreme Court justice. The Montgomery County Police Department officers were dispatched to the location near the Supreme Court Justice's residence where they encountered Rosk, who was still on the phone with the Montgomery County Emergency Communications Center, unquote. And of course, the police arrested Rosk before he could follow through with Democratic Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's call for abortion supporters to make the high court's conservative majority pay. One year ago, in a speech delivered before pro-abortion protesters assembled outside the U.S. Supreme Court, Senator Schumer said, quote, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hits you if you go forward with these awful decisions, unquote. Luckily, the mentally disturbed Rosk turned himself into authorities before making good on Schumer's threat to make the Kavanaugh family pay the ultimate price. Returning to the criminal complaint against him, it states Rosk's suitcase contained a Glock 17 handgun with two magazines of ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, a screwdriver, a nail punch, a crowbar, a pistol light, and duct tape, among other items. Then, the criminal complaint notes, Rosk was, quote, upset about the leak of a recent Supreme Court draft decision regarding the right of abortion, as well as the recent school shooting in Uvalde, Texas. Rosk indicated he believed the justice he intended to kill would side with Second Amendment decisions that would loosen gun control laws, unquote. No wonder the networks didn't break away from the January 6th committee show trial to report this truly disturbing bit of breaking news. The Rosk episode blows a hole in their anti-gun narrative. Stricter gun control measures won't make Americans safer. Instead, only criminals and lunatics will have firearms to attack the defenseless. Justice Kavanaugh, due to his high government position, was lucky to have armed police stationed outside his home to guard against threats. The rest of us, however, are on our own. But thankfully, the U.S. Constitution guarantees our right to bear arms. That concludes this edition of the More Than Right podcast. If you wish to make a comment, you can contact the show at morethanrightpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Steve Lopez.